First, I want to let the fans know that I apologize for a 2-14 season. I apologize for being back here again and making a change. But I think it's very important that we reestablish a championship culture. We need to make sure that we move forward and find the right head coach and general manager, two guys that can work together and reestablish the level that we all expect and want for the San Francisco 49ers. It's time to talk 49ers football on Gold Faithful with Brian Peacock and Nick Winkler. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Thanks for joining us once again on Gold Faithful. 49ers beat writer for the SAC B, Matt Barrows, joining us. Jeff Dini, 49ers analyst at Pro Football Focus. So we're going to hit the numbers. We're going to uh, dive deep into Jed Talks 2, Electric Boogaloo. And Nick, <laughs> we we welcomed a new member into the Gold Faithful family as well as the Winkler family, did we not? That's right. We have, uh, there. there is a son in my family now. So daughter, son, and uh, now it's time to go see that old doctor about snipping something. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, we're calling it, I'm tired, I'm tired of changing diapers already. It's only been two weeks, but you know, it's 2017, man. Uh, moving forward, hard to hard to really kind of go against anything that York said today or did when it comes to firing Chip Kelly. I mean, how do you really argue for keeping a, a two and fourteen coach? Uh, obviously, Balky had to go. Um, we're going to get real deep into all that. Can't wait to ask Barrows. He got to sit in on that that press conference and ask a lot of questions. I wish I was there, man. I I got some questions for for old Jed boy. Oh, I got to give Barrows major props because I was like, oh, follow up with this. And boom, he followed up his question with it. So uh, Barrows taking care of my boy over here. That, that It was uh, it was interesting. There was some shots fired from from the media. The, the Cone family was definitely on, on Jed from the get-go. A couple of hard questions to start. And actually, let's just get with that because I, th- I thought, you know, there was the accountability, hold me accountable, Jed press conference and I think every time Jed speaks, there's like this one clip that comes out of it. That's like, oh, that was the blank Jed talk, right? There was the one where he's like, hold me accountable. There's the one where uh, he talks about uh, Chip being around for a long, long time. You know, yeah, exactly. So, and I, I think this is this is actually after Lowell Cohn's question, and his answer was funny. I think this is what will will ring out from this press conference. I own this football team. You don't dismiss owners. I'm sorry that that's the facts and that's the case, but that's the fact. <laughs> you're not sorry about that, Jed. Yeah, he's sorry. You're sorry. Sorry, not sorry yeah. is kind of one of those things. Right, right. And it's funny because he he talk, he he doesn't say my family owns the team. He didn't say I'm the CEO. He said I own this football team. Right. So that was no, kind of no, interesting. It's me. It's, yeah. yeah, it's almost like just such arrogance coming out of that. It was like, a- I'm going to do what I want, guys. I don't care if you don't like me or not. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to make the decision on who to hire. Uh, I like the other part, too, where it's like, where he's like, oh, we do have a president. It's Al Guido, and I don't make football decisions. Right, well, except he's making the I very mean, biggest one the guys that who make those decisions. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, you that- own a football team, so maybe you should have some sort of football knowledge. Oh, man, that stood out to me as well. Um, so he's not going to make football decisions except for the one decision that decides who is going to make football decisions. Right, just the biggest decisions, you know, no big deal. You know, another thing that really struck me, too, is how many times he kept saying, you know, uh, I need a head coach and a GM that can work together. I mean, just really hammering that home. And there was also a point in Chip Kelly in his press conference where he said something along the lines of like, well, you know, I don't I don't really have a say 
in personnel around here. It's like, really? You're not going to have any sort of say on the guys that are supposed to be running your offense? Like, that to me, and you're just on your team? That that doesn't make any sense at all. How did these guys really think that this was going to be a good formula going forward, that the GM and the head coach aren't going to talk about these sorts of things? It's crazy because, and obviously, so, you know, if you're just tuning in and you're absent for a while and, and happened to download our podcast and haven't heard about it, general manager Trent Baalke is out. Head coach Chip Kelly is also out. The 49ers are 2-14. and 14. They have the second pick in the draft, tied for the worst record in uh, franchise history. So, Don't forget that 13-game losing streak. And, yes, franchise record 13-game losing streak. And you, you can't really fight for Chip's job and say he really should have stayed, but he right. never had a chance either. No. And so from Chip's perspective, he's got to feel like, God, I, I made a bad choice. That This was the wrong job to take because he, he had no shot. Yeah, but was it? I mean, we're talking about four-year, $24 million contract yeah. where it's reported the guy's going to get $6 million for the next three years to go away. I'll take that. No doubt. I mean, Jim Tom Sula, I picture him somewhere at the Pina Colada on the beach right now. Just laughing. But you know what? Just... I think these guys really, more than anything, would want to coach. They're grinders. That they, It's in their blood. And, yeah. and and with Chip, and it's funny, bringing up Jim Tom Sula, Jim Tom Sula is a good football coach. I'll hire him any day to be my D-line coach. Right. He's just not a head coach. And maybe Chip is an offensive coordinator in the in the NFL. You know, maybe he's just a college guy. Um, and he could, I'm sure he can go back and get just about any job he wants. Maybe he'll sit a year out and, and go back next year. Um, but maybe he's not an NFL head coach. I don't know. But I, I think with him, he probably feels like he's got some unfinished business. And I think... From my perspective, I'm like, I still don't know about Chip, really. I, I, I'm not sure. Yeah. But I'm not I'm super you. into – I'm not, like, saying, hey, he should have stayed. He was going to turn it around. But I just – it's kind of like you don't know. But I, I'm also, okay, move on. I, I, I totally get that, too. Yeah, you know, it's really tough. Like you said, it's hard to, to fight for, for his job and kind of defend him. But at the same time, I mean, injuries, injuries, injuries. 19 players went on IR this season. And you're talking about a team that didn't even start with much. I mean, they had, what, 40-something million dollars in unspent cap space? I mean, this is a team that didn't go out and get the pieces needed. They were signing guys off of other teams' practice squads or just guys off the street, and they were coming in and starting for this football team. I mean, Chip Kelly did not have the weapons to run his offense. He just didn't. When you're starting Blaine Gabbert, and then you know, then you go to Colin Kaepernick, and Kaepernick had his moments where he looked good, you know, and Carlos Hyde had his moments where he looked good as well. But they had no receiving core. The tight ends couldn't stay on the field. I mean, you know, Garrett Selleck, he was banged up every week. He played every game, but you know, it was constantly on the injury reports. And you know, we all know about Vance McDonald and what was what was that guy's name? Ham or something that broke his leg right before the game. Yeah, just about when he was about to start his first game. Yeah. Oh, man, it's just brutal what, what this team went through this season. And, uh, okay, Jed wants to talk about, you know, that whole hold me accountable thing. But then in this press conference, how many times did he say, I can't look backwards? I'm not going to look backwards. We're not going to talk about the past. Like, But the past is what got you here, dude. It's I, – when I hear him say that, what I hear is, I know I fucked up. Yeah, that's what I that's what I hear. But he doesn't want to just keep going. You know, maybe he needs to say that. Be like, you know what? I screwed some things up. And I mean, he he needs to say it. He's, he needs to say, I shouldn't have fired Jim Harbaugh. Let's move on. You right. know, if he like, said that, just people would clean. leave him alone. Right. It's just like the PED users in baseball. When they came right. out, apologize for it. It's all good. But the guys that kind of tried to, 
you know, we tried to hang on to the, the idea that they didn't do anything wrong. Or it, it, Fans forgive people so quickly. You just got to, hey, mea culpa. And people are okay with that and move on. But not dealing with it is is the way it lingers. And especially when you have a bad football team and, and pretty much everything you keep doing is terrible. Oh, speaking of a bad football team, how hard was it to watch that Browns game? I know you watched it. Oh, you know, and it, and, oh you're like, yeah, score the touchdown. What, you're first and goal on like the two-yard line. And then, oh, you're kicking a field goal in overtime. And then you lose. And, oh. It was a joke Harvard. how into that game I was. It yeah. was... I was so much more into that game than the 49ers game, and I was rooting so hard for the Browns, harder than I did for the 49ers practically all season after about week three or four when you realized the team was in the tank. And the Browns, make no mistake, they earned the first pick yeah. in the draft. I mean, they deserve that selection. That Browns-Steelers week 17 matchup was maddening. It was almost awesome and impressive the way Cleveland blew that game over and over again. The Steelers sat everybody. They had no yeah. desire to win the game. They're sitting around thinking, like, Browns, what are you doing? Take this game away from us and win so we can all go home. The fumbled pick six into the end zone ended oh, up being yeah. a touchback. The Steelers get the ball back on the 20 instead of being six points for the Browns. That's a game right there. Missed field goal. That would have been the game right there. Crowell fumbles the ball away at the two-yard line to seal it in the fourth quarter. That would have been the game right there. They had the ball in OT. In the, the, the five-yard line, they lose yeah. 14 yards on a wide receiver screen at the goal line. Who calls that play? And what? it was just unbelievable. What's fun, too, is like fantasy football is over. You know, the 49ers didn't play until 125. I watched every snap of that football game because nothing else <laughs> mattered. Like, that was the only thing that meant anything to me. And it was, oh, God. Yeah, it, same. It's hard being a 49er fan right now, but oh, I can't even imagine being a Browns fan. Unreal, oh, man. It, it does get worse, people. It does. It does. So l- before we can look forward and look ahead, we've got to look back a little bit. So uh, we have two guests. So let, let's get this moving. I want to talk to Jeff Dini right now and, and get him on. And uh, we can really find out what happened with the 49ers, where they can improve, where they're good, and uh, what they can build on going into 2017. Okay, here he is, analyst and 49ers media correspondent at Pro Football Focus, Jeff Dini, if you don't follow him, you should definitely give him a follow. One of the best follows for 49ers fans at PFF underscore Jeff. Jeff Dini, thanks for joining us again. How you guys doing? We're doing fantastic. Uh, Nick is a little bit tired with the brand new baby boy at home, and I am just uh, working it through the holidays. I'm on day number eight of work in a row. And Ooh. after this podcast, I'm off the clock and I'm going to Lake Tahoe. Hopefully, if I can make it there, there's a giant snowstorm happening. Very right nice. Now. <laughs> Good luck, man. So, Jeff, I, I want to just put the ball in your court. And, and what do you like? What stands out to you with this 49ers team in a 2 and 14 season? Like, like what went wrong? What was that thing that you're like, okay, this is, you can't have this on an NFL football team and win games? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of things you can point to. I think the biggest thing to me was obviously the run defense, which was the worst in football if you look by yards per carry or yards allowed per game or just pretty much any stat you want. Um, they were the worst run defense in football, and, I mean, it just killed them all year. And, I mean, it's it's interesting. They allowed 4.9 yards a carry on the year, and in the base defense they allowed 4.0 yards per carry, which it's still below average but not, you know, terrible. It's where it got ugly was when they were in the, you know, the sub packages, the nickel, you know, five, six defensive backs. It got really ugly. They in their sub packages that shot up to six point eight yards a carry, 
Um, yeah. And it's interesting, you know, later in the year, they started going towards, towards a, a 3-3-5 package. They had three defensive linemen in there when they went to the nickel, and that seemed to help a bit because um, they were allowing 6.2 yards to carry when they were in a 3-3-5 defense. When they had just two defensive linemen or less on the field, they allowed 8.2 yards of carry on the year, which is obviously just abysmal. So it was, you know, overall the run defense was ugly, but it was even especially so when, when they were in their sub packages. Right, which is the package they're in more often than not. When it comes to Navarro Bowman, I was going to argue actually on this show that he should be the MVP of the team because of how bad that run defense <laughs> got, got uh, when he was out, but it's actually started to go downhill <laughs> while he was still in there. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously you're right. You know, they're in the nickel package, I think, probably about 55, 60% of the time off the top of my head. But, uh, you know, it, it's, and, you know, Bowman actually, you know, it's interesting. You know, last year, you know, Bowman came back and he played well. I mean, but he wasn't, he was still, I would say, a shadow of his former self. And, and this year he came back, you know, he only played four games, but he had come back and he was showing a lot of signs of kind of that old Navarro Bowman. He wasn't 100%, but he was a lot closer. And then he went down and just, you know, the the run defense just like said, you know, you lost him and then, you know, Armstead, you know, got hurt in preseason. He tried to kind of get through it during the regular season, but was really a liability in the running game just because he was playing with one shoulder. And then, you know, you had, you end up going with, you know, Nick Ballore and Will Hoyt and just, it was just not good. And I think that's, there, there are many weaknesses to this team, you know, we could sit here and point to, but the run defense by far was, was, was the worst in football. So on the positive side, is there anything you can take away from the season, like something to build on maybe? I know PFF used to do a feature for every team where they had a secret superstar over the offseason, somebody that didn't get a lot of pub. I believe Ian Williams was one of those guys for the 49ers in the past. Uh, is there somebody who, would, who you would call maybe a secret superstar? Just some building blocks there on defense that, that 49ers fans can sort of uh, grab onto and say, okay, we're all right here because uh, we can build around this guy. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's a secret superstar just because he was the number seven overall pick. But, I mean, I read DeForest Buckner, and especially I think his game, his play kind of came on the second half of the year. He was a little inconsistent the first half of the year. Um, but the second half, his game really improved. Um, much better as a pass rusher than as a run defender. I think he was about average. But, I mean, I think the big thing you saw for him was just what a workhorse he was. There were, I think, at least three games this year where he played every snap on defense. Um in the games he was active, he did miss one, but the 15 he played, he was in on 93% of the defensive snaps, which for an interior lineman is just a ridiculous number. Oh, he man. played the most snaps of any defensive lineman in football, except for uh, Olivier Vernon of the Giants. And that's when he was missing a game. So, I mean, if he had played all 16, I think he would have, been, he would have passed Vernon as well. So, I mean, just the amount of snaps he was able to play on the line was just incredible. Um, he was their highest graded defensive lineman by, by far. So, I think definitely he would be the one one of the few bright spots on defense and one of the building blocks we'll have going forward. So, Jeff, let's flip over to the other side of the ball now. Offense, um, last season, uh, 2015, so brutal to watch the offensive line just get boiled over every single game. It seemed like every single play, it felt like. This season, definitely a lot better. Do the do the numbers kind of suggest that as well? Um, they do. I mean, not as well as you might think. I mean, you know, Joe Steely was, you know, continued to kind of be – that solid guy on the left side. I mean, even his, you know, he still was above average, but didn't put up quite the numbers he had in the past. Um, the rest of the line, you know, you know, you know, Andrew Taylor actually graded pretty well when he was in there. Um, I think, you know, yeah, they put in Josh Garnett about midway through the year, early to midway through the year. Um, and he had a couple of good games run blocking early on and kind of seemed to tail off his last seven games um, of the season. He had an overall negative grade in all seven. 
So he kind of struggled quite a bit. You know, Zane Beatles was up and down. He, you know, he had a rough time with Aaron Donald, both matches. Um, but, you know, the one thing with him was his versatility. I mean, you know, he had, he played left guard. They had him at left tackle for a while. He'd played center late in the year when he never had taken a snap from center in the NFL before. Um, so, I mean, I think his versatility was an asset. Um, you know, Trent Brown is a guy who, you know, held his own in pass protection. Absolutely struggle a bit run blocking. I think that's, with him, it's kind of a scheme thing. I mean, when you're six eight and three sixty or whatever he is, I mean, the zone blocking and having to be mobile is probably not you know his best. His best suits him. So um, it'll be interesting to see. You know, going forward, we're going to have a new head coach. I'm assuming a new offensive coordinator and such. If you know they're going to stick with the zone blocking scheme, they're going to go back to a gap blocking scheme. But uh, you know, it's at least now I think they have some pieces. I mean, you know, Trent Brown's young and up and coming. You got Josh Garnett. You expect to get better. Um, you have Zane Beatles, you have, you still have Joe Staley. At least they have some pieces going forward where last year, I think was like, you know, with Piers and Jordan Debbie and stuff like that. They just, you know, they had some guys that were not performing well and then were going to be gone where now I think they have some guys who, who had some growing pains, I think early on just because they're very young, but I think going forward will hopefully be, you know, mainstays on that line. So if that offensive line is solidified and built upon from there, uh, that looks like on offense you're okay there. Carlos Hyde needs definitely a solid backup with how injured he is, but when he's on the field, you feel good about that. Uh, quarterback is obviously a big question mark, but for me, man, I, I was charting routes for a pro football focus all season long. Uh, did about half of my half of the weeks I did the 49ers games, and man, they were they were easily the worst unit I saw. And just watching the NFL games week in week in and week out, they were they were by far the worst unit in the NFL. They had to be. What do the numbers say about the 49ers wide receivers? And is it a situation where you're looking at adding two, three, four guys in the offseason to that position group? Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny because I, I, that was kind of my role the last two or three years on Monday mornings was, was charting all the Niner routes. It's amazing what you kind of learn watching oh, man. the All-22 film and that. And But, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, I, you know, obviously, you know, Jeremy Curley was a nice surprise. Got him for pretty much nothing because I think Brandon Thomas wasn't going to make the team anyway. Yeah, the best um, wide receiver. He was pretty the only wide receiver that graded out positively with us uh, this year. But, I mean, you look, I mean, when, when the Niner quarterbacks were, were targeting the wide receivers, I think they had a – the pass rating was somewhere around 78 or so. They were only averaging about 6.8 yards an attempt, which, you know, below average numbers there, obviously. Um, you know, it's tough to see. You know, they had Bruce Ellington, who was someone they thought were going to, you know, be a big contributor this year, and he hasn't been able to stay healthy. You know, they had signed Eric Rogers. He tore his ACL, you know, in, in the training camp before the season started. So those are two guys I think, you know, they're on the roster. They're going to be question marks going forward. You know, you have DeAndre Smelter finally – Got on the field a little bit, had a catch yesterday. Um, he had a second one that got wiped out. So, I mean, some of these other guys, I think like you know Christopher Harper and such, I don't think are, are long-term solutions. But I definitely think they need to draft a couple wide receivers at least. I mean, that's one position. I mean, if you're going to knock Trent Baalke for a bunch of different things, but one of them was just ignoring the skill positions in the draft, especially the last couple years when the wide receivers um, were so – was a strong point in these drafts, especially early in the drafts with, you know, you know, Odell Beckham and some of these other guys and stuff, and just completely almost neglecting the position. Um, they definitely have to go out and, you know, draft a couple guys. You go after a guy in free agency. I mean, I think Austin Jeffrey is probably a long shot, but that would be a guy I'd love to see in an iron uniform, for example. But, I mean, they definitely need to go through and retool that entire core. And I think, I mean, you know, Torrey Smith's going to be making a lot of money next year, but they have so much cap room. I think I'd like to see him stay and then, but not be that number one wide receiver, obviously. I don't yeah. think he's that guy. But if you have somebody else who's 
a number one receiver. He can be that number two who's a deep threat and can stretch the field and, and open things up for guys um, you know, underneath. Jeff, you mentioned the draft there, and, and you mentioned uh, 49ers quarterbacks. It's a very good possibility that none of the 49er quarterbacks on the roster right now will be on the roster uh, in the upcoming season. Do you see the 49ers you know, looking more towards free agency? I mean, is, is there even a good class out there for quarterbacks, or, or is this going to be strictly the 49ers looking to do something in, in the draft when it comes to quarterback? Is there even someone of, you know, worth it there at that number two pick? Yeah, I mean, that's a huge question because I think, you know, it's, it's kind of thought to be, and, you know, I think, you know, Brian, you're, you're more of the draft nick than I am, but I think it's kind of more of a weaker class with quarterbacks this year. And, mm-hmm. you know, next year seems to be more of a stronger class. Um, that being said, you're hoping you're not picking number two next year as well. So, <laughs> right. I mean, I think the two guys, I mean, that I see, you know, and, and, and number two is probably early, you know, for these guys, but is Mitch Trubisky from North Carolina. And then I like Deshaun Watson from Clemson too. I think there's some question marks with Watson this year with some of the decision-making and some interceptions and stuff, but um, I still think he's a solid prospect. Yeah. It's, it's hard to say when these quarterbacks are going to go now, because I mean, I think at this point last year, I just sure didn't think that Goff and Wentz were going to go one, two. Um, so mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see how some of these quarterbacks kind of slowly rise up to the top of the board. Cause you know, these teams, you know, you look at Cleveland at one, definitely need a quarterback. The Niners are two, definitely need a quarterback. The Bears are three. They're going to need a quarterback. I mean, the Jets, I think, are at six, off, if I'm correct. Six, yeah. Yeah, I know they drafted Hackmer last year, but, you know. No. <laughs> they didn't even want him anywhere near the field this year. So they might be looking for quarterbacks. These are definitely quarterback-needy teams who may reach for a guy. So it's hard to say where someone like Trubisky would go. Number two, it's definitely possibly. I mean, I've seen some mock drafts where, where he's there. I mean, you know, it, I think the real and real wild card is, is Cleveland just because one, they definitely need a quarterback, you know, and I think they're so unpredictable at this point just because, you know, last year they had the number two pick. They could have had Carson Wentz, which seemed to be the no brainer pick, but then they ended up trading away that spot and then coming out later on saying they didn't feel that Carson Wentz was the top 20 quarterback. So, you know, you think miles Garrett would be the obvious pick for them, but you know, Mitch Trubisky's from Ohio. He's a Browns fan. There's, you know, I've read rumors that they are very high on him. Whether they would take him at number one or if it's something where they move down a few spots to take him, I don't know. But it'd be, it'd be really interesting to see what they're going to do with that number one pick. Asked about the free agent thing. I mean, I think the one quarterback that interests me, I think he's still more of a stopgap, but it would be Tyrod Taylor if he becomes available. Um, you, know, I, you know, he sat out that last game with Buffalo. I know he's got the guaranteed contract, I think, if he's still on the roster um, at some point in the offseason. You know, he might be a guy, I think – that at least can, if you're drafting a guy early who's raw or if you're drafting maybe someone who's, you know, later in the draft, like in a third or fourth round, who's, you know, not ready to step in, but might be someone you're grooming to be your guy. He might be a guy who could be your, your, you know, your bridge for a year or two um, until your guy you've drafted, whether it's in 2017 or 2018 is ready to go. I mean, I'm a little puzzled while Buffalo would, would let him go unless it's a financial thing. I mean, I think, you know, it's hard because, you know, Everybody wants Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or so on and so forth, but there are not that many of them to go around. And so there's a line somewhere in the middle. Of, do you kind of go with the quarterback you have, or do you try to you know get rid of him and get somebody better? And I mean, to me, Tyrod Taylor kind of probably falls a little above that line, but you know, apparently Buffalo might disagree. But I mean, I think he's probably, if he hits the free agent market, is probably the best guy out there at this point. I mean, I don't think the Niners want to deal with Jay Cutler. I don't think Tony Romo is a fit just because of his age and injury history. But I mean, you're looking at someone to give you a couple good years. Um, wow. You know, you're, you're, 
your guys developing, I think Taylor's probably the number one choice. Yeah, and I don't think it, Kirk Cousins would probably be the only guy that could possibly hit free agency that you would put above Tyrod Taylor, but there's really not much of a chance that, that Cousins makes it there, I don't think. But but I'm with you. The 49ers are going to need to bring in a veteran player, whether it's a free agent or or via trade. And really, when you look at this draft class, it, it is a little weak at the top. And you're right, man. Last year at this time, Jared Goff was probably a late first-rounder on most draft Nick boards. Uh, you know, if, if you're looking at the draft media draft boards and who knows what teams had this time last year. But Carson Wentz hadn't even gone to the Senior Bowl yet. People were talking about him as a third or fourth round pick, and those guys went one, two. So Trubisky and Watson and Kaiser are probably all rated higher on you know draft media boards right now than, than either one of those guys were last year. So I wouldn't even be completely surprised if all three of those quarterbacks went one, two, three. I mean, that's just the, the age we're in. It's, it's quarterback-driven league. And also, the, the one bonus I will say about the 49ers drafting behind the Browns is that, you know, Cleveland is going to screw this up. If they pass on the local kid, Mitch <laughs> Trubisky, then he's guaranteed superstar, <laughs> right? So, And if they draft him, then that means Miles Garrett's going to be a Hall of Famer. He falls to the Niners, Trubisky's going to bust. So whatever the Browns do is probably going to be the wrong thing. That's the only solace right. I take of the 49ers ended up with that number two pick. Yeah, and I, mean, and I, and I agree with you on Cousins. I just assume that Washington's going to tag him if, if they can't yeah. come to a long-term deal with them. I mean, I, I, I guess there's, some, there's a slight possibility that's not the case, but I'm just going on that assumption that he's, He's not getting out of Washington, but yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, I think if, if Cleveland doesn't take Garrett at one, I mean, I got to think the Niners just got to have to just run up to the podium and grab him. I mean, he is such a special edge rusher and I mean, in just not even by need you take the guy, but I mean, the Niners are just so, you know, their, their edge rushers is just such a barren group right now. I mean, Aaron Lynch can't, you know, when he's on the field, it's been productive, but it's, you know, whether it's injuries or suspension, can't really seem to get on the field. I mean, I'm assuming, I've said this for about three years now that Ahmad Brooks is probably not coming back next year. <laughs> yeah. um, I could be wrong. You know, and Eli Harold hasn't shown a whole lot. So, and I mean, I think the tank carrying experiment, I don't know how much longer that's going to last. I mean, they desperately need someone to rush the passer off the edge. And I mean, I think Miles Garrett is such a special player that for some reason, Cleveland doesn't take him at one that they just got to, I don't care who else is available. If there's a quarterback they want that he's, he's got to be the guy. Yeah, and the thing with Garrett too is a lot of people don't know that it, you know he's number one overall worthy just physically with his ability, but he's also like the best dude. I think teams are going to really fall in love with that guy, uh, character off the charts, and so uh, he really is the complete package for a number one overall pick. But we got to get going here. We have more guests to get to uh, before we let you go. Though I do want to say congrats on the Cubs winning the World Series last time you were on. They were in the playoffs, I believe. So uh, that's awesome, man, and we really appreciate you coming on. No problem. Yeah, we, uh, thank you for about the Cubs. We were uh, the wife and I actually flew out to Chicago for for Game Five of the World Series, which was as a sports Amazing. fan one of my highlights of my life. So nice. that was awesome. And uh, I, it's, it's been two months, and I still can't believe it happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And hey, we're gonna have you on again throughout the off season. I hope if you're cool with that. Yeah, absolutely, not a problem. All right, cool. Thanks, Jeff. We will talk to you Thanks, soon. Jeff. All right, take care, man. Thanks. We need to be open to the right structure with the right people. We need to get the right people. And it can't be, you know, I have the 53-man roster and, you know, you need to go back to your office. And, like, we can't have that. It's got to be these two guys on the same page. And when we disagree on a player, we need to know what to do when we disagree on a player and know how to move forward and move beyond it. That's, that's very important to me. So whether the head coach is in control, the general manager is in control, they need to be accountable to each other. That's that's the most important relationship in the building. 
All right, joining us now, he is the Sacramento beat writer for the 49ers and, uh, you know, just overall great guy. Follow him on Twitter, at Matt Barrows. Thanks a lot for joining us, Matt. No problem. How are you guys? Oh, you know, clean slate time. So uh, <laughs> 2016's behind us, 2-14's and 14's gone, 13-game losing streak, all of that. Uh, the future's so bright, we got to wear shades, right? Yeah, good good vibrations in 2017 for, from a, a number of angles, and uh, hopefully the 49ers are one of them. I'm still bummed uh, about the Browns. <laughs> exactly. So tell us one thing. You were at this conference today. We heard you a- ask a few questions. Uh, what was your overall vibe? Was it more of uh, Jed kind of sidestepping the fact that he has messed up in the past and that you know he he's gonna he's gonna try to fix things going forward, or is it more along the lines of like, look, it's not a big deal, guys. We're gonna get it right. Well, I mean, uh, you know, this is the third time in three seasons we've done this, so it's it, it was more of the uh, the latter than the former. Um, you know, the one thing I'll give them credit for is that he decided to to rip the bandaid off after one season um and he's eating a lot of contracts because of that and uh you know that that's the one good thing that you might be able to kind of pull out of this wreckage it's that um you know they're they're not just going to sit passively by and uh if they think that this uh regime is going nowhere which uh apparently is what uh, jed york thought i mean you know the, the the sad part of it is that you know this idea that uh chip kelly um, was not a, a good fit with Trent Baalke, was brought up by everybody last year at this time, or last year when they hired Chip Kelly. And, uh, and lo and behold, that's uh, what Jed York said uh, was the case. They just did not make a good fit. He said it was not a good marriage. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's been clear all year. I mean, uh, Trent Baalke, uh, power-based, might-is-right, defense-oriented guy, throwback guy, Bill Parcells guy. Uh, Chip Kelly is the opposite end of the spectrum, and, and they just could not work together. And uh, Trent Baalke did not find any pieces that would, would fit uh, Chip Kelly's puzzle, and the result is two wins, both against the same team. Yeah, and uh, even in Chip Kelly's last press conference, he was talking about, you know, I, yeah, I don't have any say in the guys here. You know, I don't, I don't have any player personnel talk, and you, you spoke about it, your you know, talked a lot about, oh, yeah, the guys we're going to bring in, head coach, GM, they're going to work together. They're going to, he just kept stressing that over and over, really just hammering it home like, yeah, these guys just, just didn't get it done. Right. I mean, uh, he was talking about what he wants in the future, but really he, what he was talking about is what he had in the, in the recent past. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, uh, Chip Kelly made it a point. I mean, he was raked over the coals in Philadelphia for wanting too much power. Um, you know, he went in the opposite uh, opposite direction. Remember, you know, in the in the run up to the draft, he hardly went anywhere. I mean, he went to a couple of the local pro days: San Jose State, Stanford, Cal. That was it. Uh, and he let Trent Baalke run everything. But Baalke just kind of picked the same the same guys as if uh, Mike Singletary were the coach. I mean, uh, I think Aaron Burbridge is a nice receiver to get in the sixth round, but he's very much a Jim Harbaugh type of uh, receiver. I mean, tough guy, not a lot of speed, um, and, uh, you know, more about, um, you know, blue collar and, and work ethic and toughness than, than anything else. And, and Chip Kelly is about being fleet of foot and uh, um, all, all those sorts of things. So, like I said, you know, it was like uh, 
the island of misfit toys. They were the caboose with square wheels, and uh, you know that's, that's what you get, two wins. Hey, Matt, i got to give you props. During that press conference, I heard you ask a couple questions, and uh, we played the clip of Jed's answer to one of those questions, and the follow-up was awesome, too. He kind of sidestepped that follow-up, though, about that GM and head coach relationship. His quote was, I have the 53, you go to your own office. And that was really interesting. Do you get a sense that that Balky was, I mean, was it that cut and dry that that Trent just couldn't work with anybody? And, and, I, and I get a sense from the media, and maybe you can tell me that too, that nobody really liked Trent Balky all that much, or he didn't like them all that much, or he, he, could, he just couldn't get along with anybody, it seemed like, in or out of the building at some point. He wasn't what I would describe as a people person. Um, and, and, uh, you know, some people are, are not like that. And that was sort of his shtick. Uh, you know, he, you know, he was very proud of the fact that he was of the Bill Parcells GM tree. And I don't know if the Bill Parcells GM tree is as good as the Bill Parcells coaching tree, but you know, there's that irascibility, the sort of, uh, you know, uh, tough guy. I don't really like reporters. I don't like being on TV. I don't like to do any of this stuff. I have to do it. Um, you know, I'm being forced to my, my hand tied behind my back. That was sort of his, his shtick, like I said. Um, and, um, you know, he didn't have a good rapport with anybody in the media, or at least anybody, uh, in, in my circles, beat writers, um, uh, certainly the radio broadcasters. Um, and, um, yeah, that, that's basically how he was. Uh, I, I, like I said, I, I do think that he, uh, other coaches were better suited for him. Um, you know, Jim Tom Sula got five wins out of, you know, essentially the same group that Chip Kelly had. Does that make Jim Tom Sula a better coach? I don't think so. I think he's just more uh, suited to Trent Baalke. And, you know, it, it was Trent Baalke who picked Jim Tom Sula. Uh, and I think that Baalke was suited for Jim Harbaugh. And I think he was suited in a way for Mike Singletary. These are all uh, sort of grunt um, you know, ground force, defense-heavy guys. Uh, again, Chip Kelly was the polar opposite of that. So uh, just, a, just a bad fit from the very start. So, Matt, there's rumors that there's a Kyle Shanahan interview set up for Friday. Uh, you know, there's talk of Josh McDaniels, Anthony Lynn, Tom Cable, Doug Marone, Vance Joseph, just to, to name, you know, the, the big names we're hearing out there. But that being said, I mean, you're talking about a team that has fired, you know, three straight seasons, three straight coaches. You, there's the report about Adam Gase being told he was the choice and then Balky changing his mind at the last minute. I mean, is this the kind of job that anybody's really going to want? Well, the best thing it's got going for it is <laughs> going to fire uh, a coach uh, three years straight, a one and done coach three years straight, which would be the case if they got rid of the next guy. Right. So I think that whoever's coming in's got leeway. I mean, <laughs> and there, there are no quarterbacks uh, essentially signed for next season. I know that Colin Kaepernick technically is, but they're, he's likely either going to get out of that deal or the 49ers are going to part ways. So you've got you know carte blanche there, and that usually connotes you know a guy you're usually giving a guy a lot of leeway when he has to come in and you know uh, start from scratch with the quarterback it's starting from scratch everywhere so that 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 means i mean to me and i think any any rational thinker means that whoever comes in is going to get you know a a long leash um to to resurrect this this program to create the winning culture to borrow a phrase from jed york 
that uh, that they want here. So that's appealing. They've got you know uh, upwards of seventy million dollars under the salary cap. Uh, that's appealing. They've got ten draft picks plus the number two overall pick. That's appealing. And then this idea that you know uh, you, you're you, that that uh, Jed York may be looking for sort of a package deal, somebody. Uh, who communicates well with the GM and vice versa? That that, that sort of uh, implies that uh, he's looking for guys that have worked together or are, are cut from the same cloth. You know, like West Coast offense type guys, that sort of thing. Uh, news coming late that they're going to go out to uh, Thurs uh, to Green Bay on Thursday and interview Elliot Wolf, um, who's obviously well versed in the West Coast offense, having. Uh, been in a regime with Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers at all. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think that that's got to be appealing. Is it more appealing than Denver? Um, I don't know. Uh, is it more appealing than, than Jacksonville and the, the talent that they've been accumulating? I don't know. The, 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 the beauty's in the eye of the beholder, but uh, the 49ers do have some characteristics. They're, they're the, the only team right now that's looking for a GM. So you have that. Uh, again, that kind of starting from scratch and starting with uh, your own team of guys, which the 49ers could do. Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned starting from scratch there. I know in, in the press conference today, uh, York kind of said, you know, oh, yeah, all the other coaches and scouts, you know, they're free to find other jobs and this and that. And I mean, do you think it's going to be just a, a full, clean, clean, you know, just just wipe everybody out and start totally from scratch? You think some of these guys are, are going to stick around? I think some of these guys are going to stick around. I talked to Christian Ponder today, who's, you know, probably the most likely quarterback to be on the roster. I mean, obviously he's going to be among several competing for a job, but he said that um, he met with Tom Gamble, uh, you know, a- a- after the final whistle on Sunday. So th- that that tells me that that Tom Gamble probably will stick around. Uh, it may be up to the discretion of the new GM, but. Um, I forget what the phrase was, but Jed York at the end of the press conference described him as, you know, the the ideal employee, something like that. So he he could be around, and Tom Rathman seems to outlast uh, just about every head coach here. Um, and uh, you know, if they do go back to a West Coast offense, uh, an offense that's got a fullback, uh, Tom Rathman is is the ideal guy to to coach running back. So. Um, you know, there, there could be a few guys. I remember Jason Tarver last year was retained from one coaching staff to another. There are some guys that Jed York and company like, and, and those are the most likely, obviously, to kind of survive the uh, the chopping block here. Yeah, you got to bring back Tom Rathman. I don't know if Rathman's been – he's been a part of the organization my entire life. I, that would be just really <laughs> weird to not have Tom Rathman involved with the 49ers in some capacity. So – one more quick thing about Trent Baalke, because this it's mesmerizing. All the and new reports coming out. Jay Glazer's report about a Dolphins head coach Adam Gase that was actually told by the Niners that the job was his. Then Baalke stunned Gase by by taking it back at the last minute, going with Jim Tom Sula last year, and then this year, it sounds like everybody on the staff, including Chip Kelly, wanted to draft Dak Prescott, and and Trent Baalke didn't want to. Is are you hearing these same things? And um, I guess I gotta ask how how do you go if you're Jed York how do you go about finding a GM and and guaranteeing that he's gonna get along with with the coach because I, you see it around the league and it happens all the time and there's infighting and oh this is my guy the 53 is yours the 53 is mine how do you get that together how do you 
bring everybody onto the same page because it seems like two alpha guys are never going to want to share those duties and really truly come together. Well, it's a great point, and I think you hit the nail on the head with with alpha guys. You're, you're looking for guys who are competitive. I mean, that's the ideal in the NFL. You're you're always searching for that, no matter if it's uh, for a, a place kicker or a GM or a head coach. <laughs> competitive guys is that they end up competing with each other, even when they're on the same team. Uh, and then that happens all the time. It happened with Balky and Harbaugh. Um, let, me, let me take your, your items one by one. Yes. I mean, I can add to the, the Jake Glazer report. I didn't know that that was new. I, I thought that that was out there. Uh, and, and we may have uh, you know, reported that a couple of years ago, and it got lost in the shuffle of a, of a coaching search. I thought but it was yeah, the other I mean, way around. Uh, the 49ers were zeroing in on Adam Gase. And, uh, you know, Gase thought that the deal was done. Uh, Trent Baalke flew out to, to Denver. Um, you know, Gase was uh, still with the Broncos at that time. And, and Gase figured it was for, to offer him the job formally. But really it was to say that, uh, you know, we're, we're going to go with, uh, with Jim Tom Sula. So they hired Jim Tom Sula. And then Jim Tom Sula flies to Denver on the same day that Gase is flying out to Chicago to interview for that offensive coordinator job, and Tom Sula begs Gase to be his offensive coordinator. <laughs> and, of course, <laughs> he's just been left at the altar, Gase was, so he, of course, says no, and then the, 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 the 49ers go on a mad scramble for an offensive coordinator and finally settle on Jeep Christ. Um, so, you know, it's just been one misstep after another since then. I mean, you, you wonder how history could have – could have uh, would have been different had you know Balky not had this. I, I guess he just had a real instinct. I mean, he kind of trusted his gut, and his gut told him that Tom Sula was the guy for this uh, for this roster, and uh, he was wrong. And um, well, I forget what the oh the qu- other question was about Dak Prescott. Yeah, yeah I, I kind of wonder about that. I was you know thinking about Dak Prescott a lot and other quarterbacks. It, it, it seemed like a big area of need off uh, last off season. Uh, but the, the 49ers just did very, very little work on any of the quarterbacks. The most they did was, was Jared Goff and Connor Cook. Those are the only two guys that they had out there. And I remember Dak Prescott had his, uh, his pro day out at Mississippi State, and I remember talking to his agents and, and saying, okay, who, who, who was there from the 49ers? And the guy was like, I didn't see anybody there from the 49ers. Uh-oh. Uh, so, um, you know, obviously that's the scouting department, but to say that uh, Chip Kelly was hot and heavy on Dak Prescott uh, might be overstating it. Uh, they, they just didn't do much homework on any quarterback, and Chip Kelly seemed uh, to be content with Blaine Gabbert and, and uh, Colin Kaepernick as far back as when he got the job in January. Well, Matt, keep asking those tough questions. Keep sticking the mics in those guys' yes. faces. and. Uh, yeah, let's hope 2017 is a little bit better than 2016, huh? Yeah, I'm all for it. Uh, 2016 <laughs> was not a great year. No, not on any level. He is, of course, the 49ers beat writer for the Sacramento Bee. Follow him on Twitter, at Matt Barrows. Matt, thanks again for joining us. Thanks, Matt. All right, anytime, guys. So many things, so many crazy crazy happenings in the front office so so many mistakes so many you know what should have been could have been this and that and you know we could sit here all day talk about all the bad things that that jed york's done and this and that but you know let's just hope he gets this right you know let's hope that i'd love to see kyle shanahan take over this team you know it's it's a a real offensive minded guy yeah uh, 
you know, you just get sit here and say, oh, he's the answer, this and that. But, you know, he's not bringing Julio and Matt Ryan with him. You no. know, he's not well, going to bring no. that talent over here. That is a fantastic point. And that's one of the things with the Belichick tree and all those guys. That's Everyone kind of jumps all over that and everyone's drooling and getting in a tizzy over, you know, uh, everybody involved with the Patriots. But how has that gone for any other team that, that takes right. the scraps off of that bone? I mean, unless you're bringing over Belichick or Brady themselves – I'm not going to get crazy excited about that, and and not to, not to say that Josh McDaniels isn't, wouldn't be a good hire, or Nick Casario, the GM, wouldn't sure. be a good hire, um, or even Mike Vrabel as a defensive coordinator. But just because they were in a room with Bill Belichick at one point in time, uh, doesn't mean that they're automatically that that's the best candidate out there. So I would caution some people just going crazy about that whole lineage. But and and you know, and we've seen Josh McDaniels. Uh, stumble a little bit when he got his chance at head coach. Maybe he got it too soon. You know, I, I'm not going to hold that completely against him. And I think he is a good candidate. And I think he should be one of the top candidates for head coach for the 49ers. But you're right. And Kyle Shanahan, whoever comes to the 49ers is going to be dealing with a bunch of rookies at wide receiver, a new quarterback, or just the same bad group that was already here. And hope to God that doesn't happen. But, you know, uh, we saw Chip Kelly struggle and he was supposed to be an offensive genius. So don't expect immediate results. I mean, Jeff Dini mentioned it a little bit earlier about drafting early. You know, the 49ers might have another high draft pick. And so that might be the time to attack a quarterback and build the foundation of a team in 2017. Um, and if you're ready for it, I got the Peacock plan here. Oh, oh, I like it. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. All right. Peacock plan. And... Matt Barrows mentioned him, Elliot Wolf. I think he laid it out there perfect. The West Coast offense. So you got the West Coast offense. You got a GM that understands that personnel who's who's right. who learned. Basically, Elliot Wolf learned from the guy who learned from the guy who invented scouting. Basically, I mean, you know, Ron Ron Wolf, his dad is a Hall of Fame personnel guy. So Elliot Wolf, young guy, Kyle Shanahan comes in as the head coach. Another young guy, also similar age to Jed York. You know, maybe there's something that. These guys that are that are kind of all the same age can kind of come together and and develop a brain trust and, and be that foundation. And obviously, with those young minds running the 49ers, after that, what I would say is guys with head coaching experience in the past, veteran, veteran defensive coordinators. It looks like Vic Fangio is going to stick around in Chicago, but he would be at the top of my list. I don't know if he would come back to the 49ers, right. but man, it'd be awesome to have Vic back here, veteran guy. The most interesting name I think this week is Wade Phillips on the defensive side. Obviously, Gary Kubiak is gone now in Denver, so Wade Phillips is kind of in limbo. Man, someone with that much experience, head coaching experience, basically be the head coach of the defense to go with a young head coach that's an offensive mind. Uh, That's what I'd be looking for in a defensive coordinator and an offensive coordinator. Uh, Someone like, you know, and I'm wondering if some of the guys that they're bringing in for interviews might be offensive coordinator candidates like Anthony Lynn and Tom Cable. Uh, Mike Tice is another name over in Oakland doing a good job as an offensive line coach because you don't need an offensive coordinator who's a play caller. So right. what I'll be looking for if you bring in Kyle Shanahan, if you bring in Josh McDaniels, you're looking for you know a tough guy, you know, offensive line coach, a running backs type of a coach, someone who can be an authoritarian maybe. You know, someone who has experience, been around the league a long time. That's what I would look for if you do go with that young brain trust at the top. Yeah, and you know, we we sit here and, and we've been talking about how, you know, this might not look like a very enticing head coaching position. And and you know, maybe it, it, it isn't, but I think that that general manager position is very enticing. I mean, you listen to what Jed York said. He's like, Yeah, these guys are gonna have, you know, they're gonna be able to spend their money on whoever they want. They're gonna be able to do whatever they want. If they if the 49ers don't pick up Colin Kaepernick's option, I mean, that's another fifteen million dollars on top of that near seventy million in cap space. So you're looking at 
close to $85 million to spend. You're going to have a ton of draft picks. You're going to have that number two pick. As a general manager, what could be better than that? You know, that's just like, okay, I can go out and get whoever I want. You know, like I see Mr. Burns like, excellent. You know, like putting his, <laughs> tapping his fingers together, just like drooling about about getting a job like this. I feel that that to me is, is great. I mean, I don't know which one you go after first. You know, I don't know if you try to, to lure in a Kyle Shanahan and say, okay, yeah, who do you want as a GM or, or you do it the other way around that? I would have no idea. The 49ers can roll over some of their cap space from this year as well. And I, I think it's a, it's the best job out there for, for a GM. I mean, right. you get to revive a historic franchise. You have the number two pick in the draft to work with. If you want to trade down and add more to that, you, you can trade for a veteran quarterback. You can maybe try to sign a guy and attack that 2018 draft. You can draft a quarterback high in this draft. If, if you see a guy there that you like, and yeah, like you said, you have an unlimited amount of money to spend. You can spend mm-hmm. it the way you want. You can pick your head coach. If you come in and sign on first as GM. And I hope, I really hope Jed does that and, and, and hires the GM first. Cause I think that's the right way to go. Right. Um, you can find the guy that you want and there's a lot yeah, of really he good sits in on those interviews with the head coach. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. And, there's a lot of really good head coach candidates right now and a lot of right. good young young um, coordinators out there that deserve a shot. You know, Kyle Shanahan and, and Josh McDaniels. And if you don't get those guys now, they're not going to be around next year. So um, I, I really like the idea of a young brain trust at the top, someone who can connect with Jed York and then some really veteran, veteran people underneath them. It, it's a group effort. You know, you don't have to, the head coach doesn't have to be the guy who just drills everybody, right? I mean, I think that's the traditional way, the Bill Parcells type of guy, um, the tough guy. They're just not, they don't make them like that anymore. Right. And it's not that league anymore. So I don't think you necessarily need that guy, but I could understand why you'd be hesitant to bring a guy who's in his 30s. Um, I mean, he's still going to be older than everybody, but uh, Phil Dawson on the 49ers, even if you're, you know, (laughs) in your late 30s. But um, it's going to be interesting. And, and to me, it, it, we're talking about free agency. I would definitely look at Tyrod Taylor as a stopgap. I would trade sure. for a young veteran. I've talked about, uh, here's the other thing with Elliot Wolf. So maybe he brings over and it'll cost a lot less than Jimmy Garoppolo, but Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously he should be looked at. They're asking for a first and a fourth. You're not touching the second pick in the draft. I'm not trading you that for Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm sorry. Two, right. you know, two dot two, maybe, and, you know, we start talking if, if the second pick in the second round, uh, maybe and a little something else is enough right. to get that done, then I absolutely am talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. But um, Brett Hundley's a guy at quarterback that he's a shadow 49er. So I've, I've kind of liked him for a while, but he, he's, you know, he's, he's been in that West coast offense. Um, Elliot Wolf knows him well. So I could totally see that being a guy that's brought over, you know, maybe Tyrod Taylor and free agency, Brett Hundley, see what you got there for a year. Uh, if you're bad and you're at the top of the draft, you need that franchise quarterback next year. Uh, 2018 is the year probably to draft that quarterback, although there are some, we talked about him earlier with Jeff. There's some, there's some decent prospects and those guys could definitely rise to the point where you want to take one of those guys with a second pick in this draft. But I would rather build a stellar D, a stellar offensive line and have a quarterback roll into a situation like Dak Prescott has than to have a quarterback at 1.2 with all those expectations and a bad team around him and just try to hit the ground running on day one. But that's my plan. What what you're talking about is, is what 2012 49ers you know 2011 talking about an awesome defense a, a stout offensive line and yes. you know Colin Kaepernick rolls into a quarterback situation you know that's absolutely what I'm talking about yeah yeah and I, I'm down for that again definitely <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly I like how in that 
press conference, by the way, you just reminded me someone asked about Bill Walsh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Is Bill Walsh around? Let's, yeah, let's hire him. I think it was Lowell Cohn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably was. <laughs> Come Those on. two got added, added a little bit. I also like that people asked him, hey, are you trying to get more 40, you know, former 49er greats around, you know, and comparing it to what the Raiders are doing and things like that. And he also mentioned that he talks to his uncle every day. So, you know, there's there's a lot of positive things that, that can be taken from that press conference. And, you know, at this point, it can't get worse, right? I mean, <laughs> it was so bad. No, it can't get – well, it can get two yeah, games it worse. Can. It can get two games worse. Yeah, I guess. I mean, but as far as the 49ers brutal. franchise goes, it's never been worse than this. This is, you know, they tied for the worst record ever. Um, they're, yeah. And they're, they're going to have some growing pains going forward. So it's not like they're going to hire. I mean, if you did hire Bill Walsh, that doesn't guarantee you you're not going to win a Super Bowl in 2017 because you hired Bill Walsh. You know, it, it's going to take some time. Right. And, and, and all the great coaches, it takes some time. It took some time with Bill Walsh. It took some time with Bill Belichick. He, you know, the Patriots wasn't his first job. You're right. Well, We've that had two guests. Said, yeah. We've been at this for about an hour. Season, Let's do it. I've got a I've got a little something I want to do here to end the show. And first of all, I want to thank Matt Barrows. I want to thank Jeff Dini for joining us. Thanks everybody for listening. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at BD Peacock on Twitter. You can find Nick at Bay Area Wink. We're on iTunes. Subscribe, review the show. Kick some reviews out, man. We've had no reviews lately. We have a lot of listens, a lot of downloads. Nobody wants to ever review the show. Kick us a review. That'd be nice. Um But yeah, thanks everybody for listening. And to end the show, I have a little something I want to do. And it's in memoriam, Trent Baalke and Chip Kelly. How do I (laughs) say goodbye? Takes me back. I had no clothes, just had a a pair of sweats. I'm not governed by the fear of what other people say. I've been known to run a really slow offense. And I wanted to just kind of set the tone for how things are going to be here in San Francisco. Well, that's not true. I mean, they do a lot of it. You know, it's, a, it's um, you know, they don't have the full selection, but they can check protections. There's a lot of plays that we run that have uh, options within the play. So there, there may be two plays called at the same time. One's a pass, one's a run, and they opt to throw the ball instead of hand the ball off. So there's a lot of things that go on within it. You know, so I, I think sometimes that's a little bit of a misconception. It's okay. I'm not in the conception business, so I'm just trying to play football. That's I've been me. known to run a really slow offense. And I wanted to just kind of set the tone for how things are going to be here in San Francisco. Matt, Matt, I think somewhere in there, he said we're going to run the football. It's a draining experience. It's a... Uh, you know, feel bad for the fans, feel bad for a lot of people, ownership in particular, who've, uh, you know, they give us everything, everything we need, and I've, I've said that, I've gone public with that. Uh, you know, if we don't get it done, if, uh, you know, put it on me, you know, because we've got all the resources necessary. Funding's never been an issue at the free agent market uh, or any other thing that we've needed. So it, 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 it falls strictly on my shoulders and, and uh, disappointed, disappointed with the outcome up to now. Game's over. Game is finally fucking be over. <laughs> oh, all right. That's enough. It's enough well screwing done. around. Well done, my friend. Yeah. Goodbye, Trent. Goodbye, Chip. It's going to be a new era of 49er football. Hopefully, a successful one. 
Yeah, that'd be nice. And uh, we'll be checking in sporadically during the offseason. Once the uh, draft gets closer, we'll start ramping up again. Other than that, hey, 49ers, uh, yeah, fingers crossed. Let's, uh, let's keep our heads held high. Still got those, what, five rings? Don't worry, guys. It'll get better. Got them rings. Flags fly forever. That's right. Love it. All right. We'll talk to you guys next time. See ya.